What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. This is Chuck here, the home studio of Pond City Market with Noel. Hey, Chuck. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. We are, uh, this is our earliest recording yet. Woo! Feeling it. <laughs> Come on, it's nine o'clock. No, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> Noel just wooed like it was 615. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. yeah. How about you? I'm great. I was just reading this New Yorker article when you walked in on Atlanta Monster. I know. We're really like living with the swells with that show, aren't we? It's crazy. Man. Um, all right. So welcome, everybody, to uh, Mini Crush number five uh, this week's. We're going to just get right into it. We've got a few segments. And this one, first one, is a new one. I'm going to call it Hollywood History. Hollywood History. How about that? I like it very much. So maybe every once in a while, I'll just do a little stuff you should know style short bit on something that I found interesting. And this was certainly that um, story of Peg Entwistle. Do you know who that is, Noel? I, there's a bass player with the last name Entwistle from <laughs> The Who, right? <laughs> John Entwistle. Not the same guy. No, no. This is Peg. Okay. And I, I don't think there was any relation there. In fact, I know there's not. Because Peg was very well known um, in 1932 for leaping to her death. From the H of the Hollywood sign. Wow. You ever heard that? I have not heard that, but that's a high H. That would definitely be a be a death fall. That would do it. And so if I'm not mistaken, back then, the sign said Hollywood land. Um, I did not look this part up, so I'm not sure when it switched. But uh, if you didn't know that, it used to say Hollywood land, the big uh, famous iconic sign in the Hollywood Hills there in Los Angeles. And, and I think it was like a a developer or something. And it wasn't, you know, then the land came down, just became Hollywood. Have you but, seen that movie Hollywood Land? No, but I 
wrote a movie years ago called Hollywood Land. Okay. Which had nothing to do with the movie that came out <laughs> called Hollywood Land. But I wrote a movie years ago that never went anywhere. It was not very good, of course. Um, that ended up being, uh, sort of like the movie Crash. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. It actually yeah. won the Oscar, but wasn't a very good movie. That's the weird one, right? That, that yeah. everyone loved and years later it's it kind of like, huh. I yeah. like to think it was a better version of Crash, but it had the, the name Hollywood Land, which later became a movie. So I was kind of like, well, this is clearly, uh, not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Serendipity. Because <laughs> the plot and the title are taken. Anyway, uh, Peg Entwistle in 1932 leapt from the Hollywood signs H. Uh, some say that area is still haunted today. Uh, there are, are reportings of, uh, well, I'll get to that actually. Um, but here's Peg's story. She, well, here, there's kind of two parts to this. She, uh, came to Hollywood and she ended up working a little bit. She got a big role in David O'Selznick's 13 Women, uh, but was cut from the final film. Unfortunately, that happens. Uh, and the, the kind of legend goes that she, she came to Hollywood and did not ever, um, did not ever make it as the young starlet that she wanted to be. So she leapt from the H because of that on September 16th, 1932. Beautiful Hollywood actress, uh, grief stricken, supposedly intoxicated, uh, drunk, I guess, um, hiked from her uncle's house to the Hollywood sign. Uh, and yes, actually, I just see it did say Hollywood land back then. Um, and that's she, a serious hike. Like yeah, to get to that sign is no small task. Yeah, I mean, and now there are trails. I don't even know what it was like in 1932. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's not easy. And uh, so she hiked from her uncle's house, climbed up the maintenance ladder in the back, and then uh, leapt to her death. The next day, a female hiker, um, unidentified, found her body uh, with a shoe, a jacket, a purse, and a suicide note that said, "I'm afraid. I'm a coward. I'm sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago." It would have saved a lot of pain. P.E. for Peg Entwistle. Man. How about that? It's sad. So here's the deal, though. Uh, people have said it's been uh, haunted for years. According to legend, uh, the ghost is accompanied by the smell of gardenias, uh, which was her favorite perfume. People say they have smelled that. You know, it's one of those, you know, I don't believe it, but it's one of those stories. Did well, you hear? Smell is a very powerful sense, Chuck. It is. It is. Uh, but here's the truth, actually. Um, it's sort of be, been rewritten all these years that Peg Entwistle uh, was upset because she didn't make it as a big actress. And uh, while she may not have loved the fact that she was never a big actress, she actually was – today you would probably call her clinically depressed. And who knows? Maybe bipolar uh, or maybe had some other, you know – uh, some other mental illness going on. Uh, it's really easy to paint her as like, oh, she didn't make it in Hollywood, so she leapt to her death. But there was a lot more going on with Peg Entwistle. Well, and that stuff was largely untreatable or undiagnosed in those days. Yeah, right? she would have been hysterical. Ah. A hysterical woman, probably. Um, so back east, the, as the true story goes, or the more full story, um, she... Lived and worked on Broadway, uh, had a, had a decent career on Broadway actually. When she was 19, she married an older actor. This is kind of interesting. Named Robert Keith. Uh, two years later, they divorced and she alleged deception and cruelty. And, uh, cause she found out that he had been previously married and had a six-year-old son. And that six-year-old son would grow up to be the actor Brian Keith. So that's a little, uh, little side note there. Um, so anyway, at the end of the day, it looks like 
She told her uncle that she was going to step out to buy a book from a drug uh, drugstore and then to maybe go see some friends, and she disappeared. And uh, the uncle did say she was always fascinated by that sign. But by all accounts, Peg Entwistle had had serious mental problems, um, most certainly depression, and it was not all just wrapped up in this uh, starlet, never made it as an actor story. Um, you it know, sounds like her one movie got real bad reviews too. I guess that yeah, that I'm did, sure that doesn't help depression. Uh, she got cut from the studio. I think it looks like right. But her uncle Charles did say that she was depressed, suffering an intense mental anguish, and um, I, d- I just I hate it when stories like that are just neatly tied in such a bow that you never really realize that there's probably really something serious going on there. For sure. And it wasn't just about the movie industry. Uh, so that is Hollywood history for this week. Uh, and now we'll just move right on into recommended viewing. Uh, as you know, I recommend a foreign film, a documentary film, and an independent film in the recommended viewing segment. And I will start with Not Born in the USA, my foreign film pick for the week is Run, Lola, Run. I knew you would have seen that one, Noel. Years ago. I haven't seen one, but it's such a cool one. I haven't either. I was kind of just picking through my brain about – I used to watch a lot more foreign films, I think, is the deal. Um, And I don't know why I haven't been on that train lately, but I need to get back on it. Uh, Run, Lola, Run, the great German film from 1998, uh, directed by Tom Tickver. Uh, It's a thriller. Um, I guess you would call it a thriller. Uh, And it stars Franca Potente and uh, Moritz Bliebtrau. And the, the story is very basic, basically, is right at the very beginning, uh, Lola, this character, gets a call from her boyfriend, Frantic, and she has to get a hold of 100,000 Deutschmarks in 20 minutes to save his life. And when you start a movie like that, you get that clock ticking in mm-hmm. such a frantic fashion. It's not like you've got 48 hours, mm-hmm. uh, 20 minutes. So it just launches like a cannonball right out of the gate right there does not let up and it does not let up and it tells the story in three um three different ways there are three different runs with three different outcomes and each time she starts over in the same place and basically uh at the end of each run you know um i won't spoil it but like i said there are three different outcomes depending on what happens on her run so it's got a little bit of a sliding doors quality to it uh but it's just like the pace of this movie is just nuts Yet it doesn't feel like, you know, it's sort of edge of your seat, but it's not exhausting as a as a viewer. It's very 90s. It's very like techno soundtrack, and it's almost kind of like an electro Groundhog Day kind of situation or like Rashomon or something. Yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it, actually. Uh, and they call it Run, Lola, Run because, you know, she's got 20 minutes. She spends a lot of this movie running, literally physically running. In the Midtown Art Cinema, like on our local movie theater, they have all these foreign posters in the lobby, and one of them is for that. And the German version is just called Lola Rent. Yeah, Lola Rent. <laughs> um, anyway, great movie. Check it out. Uh, next up, we have our documentary, What's Up, Doc? I am going to go with The Kid Stays in the Picture from 2002. This movie from uh, Nanette Bernstein and Brett Morgan is about the life of famed film producer Robert Evans. Um, his his history in Hollywood, uh, starting from when he was in a kind of a bad actor by all accounts, he was sort of a rags to riches to rags story because he doesn't make it as an actor, becomes a producer, eventually becomes a studio chief, the head of Paramount Pictures, and then kind of loses it all. And there is um, there's a lot involved al- along the way. And uh, they focus on his personal relationships, uh, notably his 
uh, marriage to Ally McGraw, the uh, actress from Love Story, which he produced, very big hit with Ryan O'Neill. Uh, he also produced The Godfather. He also produced Chinatown. And Paramount, under his watch, was those were sold, sort of the golden years of Paramount Pictures uh, in the 1970s when Robert Evans was was chief. Uh, have you seen it? I have not. Oh, dude. Didn't you say you went to the premiere of that in LA? Yeah. I think, um, I want to say Paula Tompkins in that episode. Um, it wasn't the premiere. I just went on opening night in Los Angeles on Sunset Boulevard and it was, it felt like a premiere because there were at least 10 or 12 famous people in that sure. audience. Yeah. It was a very highly anticipated movie, um, in the, in the Hollywood community. And, uh, it was just, Visually, really compelling the way they told the story and people have ripped it off since then. Um, but at the time, you know, documentaries didn't do things like this, had these animations. Um, you, you really just got to see it, uh, like almost like cut out animations that tell the story. And Evans narrated it, of course, which is there's no way it could have been anyone else than Robert Evans telling his own story. It's this. funny, right? Like, yeah, I mean, sure. There are parts of it that are funny. Um, and he's he's he tells the story in a very real way, and he's just got this booming voice, and uh, the way he talks about you know making pictures, and he's yeah. sort of a throwback. Um, visually, though, just off the charts as far as what documentaries were doing at the time. You could like it had a budget, you know, which is uh, that's the reason most documentaries back then didn't look great because of course there was some kid with a camera, gorilla style. That's exactly. awesome. Let's check that out. Uh, and it, it, I think it made a big difference in the kind of budgets that documentaries did get because they kind of started looking better after Kid Stays in the Picture. Made a lot of money. It was a big hit. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. 
My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then finally, my uh, Independence Day pick. I'm going to go with the Day Trippers from 1996. Uh, I talked very briefly about this on the episode with Guy Branham, uh, which should be out by now, I think. Um, but if not, look forward to that. And it was written and directed by uh, the wonderful Greg Matola. And, and I think it was his first movie. A little small indie. It was a very simple story. It's a story about a woman who finds a letter that indicates that her husband may be cheating on her. So she decides to pile in the car in the station wagon with her sister, her sister's boyfriend, and her parents and go from Long Island into the city of Manhattan to uh, do a little spying and find that out. Very simple story. Just a delightful, fun movie. Uh, the woman is Hope Davis. Stanley Tucci is her husband. Parker Posey is her sister. Leah Schreiber is her boyfriend. And uh, her mom and dad are the great Ann Mara and uh, Pat McNamara. Uh, also, Campbell Scott is in it, and it's just so funny. Uh, it's just one of these movies that really captures uh, family so well because their whole family is kind of playing detective in Manhattan, snooping around his office, trying to find out if he's cheating on her. And um, just a very, very delightful, fun movie. Uh, the Day Trippers from 1996. Go check it out. All right, and we finish up with uh, Stream This and Comment Card. Uh, I am going to go for streaming this. It's a bit of a cheat because it's an HBO show, and you don't exactly stream that, uh, although I guess you can. You can buy that a la carte now, I think. You don't even have to have a subscription. There's the HBO Now or whatever. HBO Go, you can HBO just buy. HBO Go, you can just buy now. You huh. know? Yeah. All right, well, good for them. Uh, high Maintenance, Season 2. Do you watch this show? This is the Wee Delivery show? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've seen a little bit of it. All right, so how this show started was uh, it started as a web series, which I watched. Um, I can't remember who sent it to me, but someone sent it to me. And I watched the web series. They were shorts. Um, I feel like they were about six or seven minutes long and just told like one little piece of a story. Uh, and then I found out it, it was from husband-wife team Ben Sinclair and uh, Katja Blitchfeld. Um, and I'll, I'll finish up with their story in a second. But uh, they got signed by HBO to do the series, and I was super stoked because it's just such a good the, – the web shorts were so great. And um, to be picked up by HBO was just a, obviously a huge, huge deal for them. Uh, HBO didn't have a habit of picking up random web shows about we delivery guys. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's – that's the easiest way to describe it. It's about a weed delivery guy in New York City. But it's really not about a weed delivery guy. He he happens to do that. It's about it's about New York City and the stories of the people of New York City. Well, it's a perfect frame story for telling that kind of stuff. You know, you absolutely get to just different different character every episode. Yep. You know, seeing the landscape as he's biking around. I believe. You know. You know. Yep. Uh, it it is. Uh, it's probably the most accurate portrayal of modern New York that I've seen because it tells the stories of everyone. And that's that you're right. That's the great thing about the We Delivery Guy. One uh, episode and in each episode now, the 30 minute version weaves together two or three different stories. Um, so one, he might visit a high powered um, stockbroker mm -hmm. in Wall Street and then he bikes over to 
like a young Cuban girl uh, in a tenement apartment. Uh, and all these stories kind of weave together somehow a lot of times. And a lot of times he is the through line um, for how they weave together. But it's got so much heart and it's real and it can be heartbreaking and sad or funny. Um, it's just really, really awesome. Uh, and the reason I said I'll finish up about their marriage, they actually Ben Sinclair, who stars in the movie, they don't even name him. He's just weed guy or the guy. Uh, and his wife was uh, behind the scenes uh, writing and directing along with him. Uh, they actually got divorced before season two and decided to, you know, uh, she she they got divorced. She is now living with uh, her new girlfriend and. They're all friends. And he was like, you know, that, that kind of life happens. It was rough, but we have a good thing going here with the show. And they decided to keep making the show together through season two. That's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting uh, that they can make that work like that. And so hats off to them. I'm trying to get Ben Sinclair on the show. Um, and I've actually been in touch with HBO and it may be possible. He's the problem is I'm going to New York at the end of February and I was trying to land him there, but he's in LA through February. Um, but it sounds like it's possible, so I'm going to make it happen at some Heck point. Heck, yeah. It's awesome. He just The character that he plays is just such a sweet guy. Um, he always just wants to do right by people uh, in whatever situation he's th- launched into. Mm-hmm. He always just has a good heart and wants to do the right thing. Um, and he's just one of one of the beloved characters on TV to me. It's interesting, too, because I think people have a perceived idea of like what kinds of people – buy marijuana yeah or deliver marijuana yeah what you realize in the show is like it's 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 every kind of person it is every kind of person exactly um and i'll i mean that is certainly not the focus of the show but that ends up sort of bleeding through for sure sure. uh so high maintenance season two check out season one and i believe on hbo they had a uh they have the web shorts up there too and i recommend all of them and it's kind of funny if you watch the web shorts some of those characters later appear um, on various episodes. And sometimes it'll be like a girlfriend who is, uh, a girlfriend who later ends up with a different boyfriend. And he'll be like, wait a minute. Didn't I know you from, uh, the other place? Sure. And so it's kind of, kind of cool how they do that. All right. And now we finish with comic card listener mail from you guys. And I specifically asked for questions for, uh, for me and Noel on this one. You ready, Noel? I am. This is from Avalon Rector. Great name. Very intense name. Reboots. Huh. What are they good for? Absolutely nothing? Or is it just a basic desire to see things we have created before through the lens of our new technology? What are your thoughts, guys? I'll let you go first here. I think it just depends on the reboot, right? Like, some of them are such obvious cash grabs that you can't help but just be offended by it, especially if you have like a special place in your heart for the original. I'm speaking in generalizations here. Um, like for example, there's the Ocean's Eleven reboot that's coming out with all women. I right. think that's interesting yeah. and, and could be, if handled well, a good thing. You know, that franchise is so kind of open-ended anyway yeah. that it's not like a remake. It's just kind of like we're going to resuscitate this concept of a group of people doing a heist. I'm all about stuff like that. Right. But then if you have like, you know, uh, for example, there's this Heathers. There's a Heathers TV show. Oh, really? And it looks like 
utter trash. It just oh, looks, it, no. it's like this modern reboot of Heathers in a TV show form. Uh-huh. And it looks just like offensive and just really crass. And I know the original is crass as well, but it's got, you know, it's got class. It's classy crass, you know, but this just looks <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, it replaces characters from the originals with kind of more modern versions. It just looks like kind of a gross glee kind of, you know, so that bothers me, stuff like that, you know. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All right. My take is um, I'm kind of throwing remakes and reboots into the same bucket, uh, even though I know they're a little different. Um, when it comes to like, here's our third version of Spider-Man, it gets a little tiresome to me. And that feels like just, Hey, let's just try and print some money for the studio. Let's not be original. Having said that the latest iteration of Spider-Man with uh, the the young kid Mm -hmm. is great. 
I really thought it was really good. And that was a lot of studio weirdness with like owning the rights and yeah, know, Sony, Sony versus yeah. Marvel or whatever. Exactly. And now Marvel has it and they can do whatever they want with the characters. So I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I guess like that middle version with Andrew Garfield, I didn't care for at all. No. So maybe that was the problem is, yeah. is I just throw those movies out mm-hmm. and, uh, keep one and two of Tobey Maguire because <laughs> the third one wasn't great. I think they just, you're right. Like a lot of times it feels like a cash grab or just ill-conceived. Like, um, you know, one of my most beloved movies of all time, the great comedy Arthur with Dudley Moore, you know, when they remade that with uh, Russell Brand. Oh yeah. Uh, I didn't, I wouldn't even see it, you know, cause I knew I was like, this is not going to be good. But is that a remake or a reboot? Like, is it, was that like, that's a remake. Okay. Yeah, straight up remake. Reboots are more about like franchises, maybe. Or yeah, I mean, uh, they're doing it with TV now too. Like Roseanne comes back, or mm-hmm. Will and Grace comes back, and my whole thing is just there's so many good writers out there, so many great ideas. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the blacklist in LA? The the list of screenplays that don't get. Uh, oh no, no. Is this some, a podcast? No, there's something. It's it's been around for years. They put it. Uh, I can't remember what organization puts it out, but there's something called the blacklist. Where the best unproduced screenplays each year are put on a list. And, uh, like there are great ideas. There are great original ideas out there. It's not like for all of Hollywood's history, they had great new ideas and then writers just dried up and they couldn't do it. So yeah. they started remaking everything. It has nothing to do with that. So why make Heathers again when you can just do another story about? High school, if you want, because it worked once. <laughs> and then well, like, that's you know exactly. I mean? yeah. It's lazy. Yeah, yeah. It's studio chiefs and studio yeah. heads uh, doing the laziest thing possible. That's what I think. Yeah. Having said that, some of these movies can be okay, but um, and I just feel bad. There's so many good, great ideas out there that don't get made. Just be more original. Great question, Avalon. Great name. Uh, and number two of three, Catherine Williams. What is your opinion on, well, no, we get right back into it. What's your opinion on male lead movies being turned into all female lead movies like Ghostbusters and Ocean's 8? Uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, this sort of ties in with the reboot. In a way, I'm kind of like, eh. But in these cases, um, I think it's so important for, uh, especially when you're talking about recasting with an all-female cast, and so important that the young women and girls see these movies and be uh and can be represented like when i saw some of the the uh so i can't remember someone sent me a video of uh the ghostbusters reaction um from these young girls and it was just amazing to see these girls like uh identifying with these characters finally in a way that they couldn't before and like, I don't see how you can watch that and say, like, that's not a good thing. I think, unfortunately, that movie wasn't very good. <laughs> but, I thought it was okay. Yeah. I saw it with my kid. And uh-huh. she, she she liked it. My daughter is, is nine now, and it was eight at the time. She she enjoyed it quite a lot. Um, it didn't knock her socks off the way some things have. But, right. Um, I totally see the good behind doing that. But it's also like, let's just, to your previous point, let's just make more original stories with badass female leads. Yeah. You know? Well, that's true. Um. And here's my dirty little secret and stuff you should know, fans. I know that this is largely who's listening. You're going to be so mad at me. I don't think the original Ghostbusters was the greatest thing since spread either. Whoa. Whoa. Gauntlet thrown down. Do you yeah. love it? I, I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, I certainly liked it, but 
Uh, when I go back and watch it now, it's not the funniest thing in the world. Like the funniest parts are just Bill Murray goofing around. I think their chemistry is really fun and yeah. great. You know, I, I enjoy that. The, I haven't seen it in a long time, so maybe it won't hold up for me. But I no, I mean, I liked it, but it, it it's put on this pedestal. Like especially the blowback that the the lady version got from a bunch of uh, dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, they to me they put Ghostbusters the original on a pedestal that it's like you know, the the greatest film ever made and how dare put women in those suits. And I'm just like, come on, man. Seriously. Put women in those suits. Do, well, do whatever you want. Just you know, make, it, make a good movie. That's all I'm saying. And I, think I, the, you know. I think the new Ocean's 8 looks awesome. Of course, definitely. And is Soderbergh involved or, or, or not? I don't know. I, I, I bet he's producing in some capacity. Yeah. I think he direct, he's directed all of them thus far, I believe. Oh, really? I think so. I like that first one a lot. That was a good remake. Uh, all right. And finally, Matthew Moyle. Um, and thanks, Catherine, for that question. Matthew Moyle, which is more important to you in a film? The technical aspects like cinematography and editing or the artistic aspects like plot and acting? Uh, Matthew, that is a great question. And it's a total cop out because I'm going to say both, all of it. Um, a great movie is all of those things coming together. And holding hands uh, to make a great film. Um, the technical aspects, like if you're, well, I was about to say if you're missing half, then it's probably not going to be a great movie. I will say this. A, a, a wonderfully technical movie can never be great if the what you call artistic aspects are not good, great. However, uh, if the artistic aspects are great, then you can get away with the technical aspects not being as great. At case in point, a lot of like really low budget indie movies that didn't have a lot to work with, they can't make it look like a Roger Deakins uh, shot picture can still be great, great movies. Absolutely. It, it reminds me of a quote uh, that I'm going to paraphrase from that recent batshit interview with Quincy Jones. Uh, he talks about, like, <laughs> I don't care if you have the greatest singer on the planet and the best studio musicians. If you don't have a song, you don't have a song. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think you can apply that to, to film. As yeah. Well. You can't polish a turd. Yeah. That's another, the old saying. Another good one. Yeah. Um, but to me, to make a uh, – for all cylinders to be firing, that's when you're really – Cooking with gas, as sure. my dad used to say. Oh, yeah. Looks great. Sounds great. Great acting. Great story. Uh, but it all comes down to that story, man. But like we talked about last week with like the, that movie Tangerine, you can make a great movie on an iPhone. And, you know, iPhones look True. pretty good. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's very low, low fi by today's standards. But if you have the acting and the story, the yep. technical stuff is a little less important, kind of. So yeah. I don't know. Well, Chuck, what is on the docket for Friday's episode? Are you talking about the homework assignment? <laughs> Whatever you want to call it, man. I don't know your code words. Yeah, homework, everybody, this week is to watch uh, – well, good for you. It's to watch Waiting for Guffman. That's homework I don't mind giving out. And then you have to read Waiting for Godot right. and write a report <laughs> and submit it via email to moviecrush at howstuffworks.com. Right, to make it real homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yeah, Waiting for Guffman, the great Christopher Guest mockumentary, um, which hopefully everybody has seen. If not, just get ready. Because it's one of the great, great funny movies of all time. And I had in New York City the wonderful and charming Brooke Adams of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and The Dead Zone and Days of Heaven. Oh, wow. And some of like the great movies of the 70s and 80s. Classic pictures. And Tony Shalhoub's wife. So it's no surprise why she was in there. I recorded them back to back. Very well done, Chuck. 
Yeah, so uh, watch Waiting for Guffman coming up this Friday with Brooke Adams. And we appreciate you guys tuning in this week for the Mini Crush. Thanks a lot. See ya. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.